Let's begin Psalms 18. He said, I love you, Lord. You're the source of my strength. The Lord is my high ridge, my stronghold, my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I take shelter. My shield, the horn that saves me, and my refuge. I called to the Lord. The one who is worthy of praise, and I was delivered from my enemies. The waves of death engulfed me, the currents of chaos overwhelmed me. The ropes of Sheol tightened around me, the snares of death trapped me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and I cried out to my God. And from his heavenly temple, he heard my voice, he listened to my cry for help. The earth heaved and shook. The roots of the mountains trembled. They heaved because he was angry. Smoke ascended from his nose. Fire devoured as he came from his mouth. He hurled down the fiery coals. He made the sky sink as he descended. A thick cloud was under his feet. He mounted a winged angel and flew. He glided on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness in the rain clouds. And from the brightness in front of him came hell and fiery coals. The Lord thundered in the sky. The sovereign one shouted. He shot his arrows, scattered them. Many lightning bolts routed them. The depths of the sea were exposed. The inner regions of the world were uncovered. And by your battle cry, Lord, by the powerful breath from your nose, he reached down from above and he took hold of me he pulled me from the surging waters he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hate me for they were too strong for me they confronted me in the day of my calamity but the Lord helped me and then he brought me out into a wide open place He delivered me because he was pleased with me. The Lord repaid me for my godly deeds. He rewarded my blameless behavior. For I have obeyed the Lord's commands and I have not rebelled against my God. I am aware of all his regulations and I do not reject his rules. I was innocent before him and kept myself from sinning. And so the Lord rewarded me for my godly deeds. He took notice of my blameless behavior. You proved to be loyal to the one who is faithful. You proved to be trustworthy to the one who is innocent. You proved to be reliable to the one who is blameless. But you proved to be deceptive to the one who is perverse. 
For you deliver oppressed people, but you bring down those who have a proud look. Indeed, you are my lamp, Lord. You're my God who illuminates the darkness around me. Indeed, with your help, I can charge against an army. By my God's power, I can jump over a wall, Gad. The one true God acts in a faithful manner. The Lord's promise is reliable. He is a shield to all who take shelter in him. Indeed, who is God besides our Lord? Who is a protector besides our God? The one true God gives me strength. He removes the obstacles that are in the way. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate rugged terrain. He trains my hands for battle and my arms can even bend the strongest bow. You give me your protective shield. Your right hand supports me. Your willingness to help enables me to prevail. You widen my path and my feet do not slip. I chase my enemies and I catch them. I do not turn back until I wipe them out. I beat them to death and they fall at my feet. You give me strength for battle. You make my foes kneel before me. You make my enemies retreat. And, that, and I destroy those who hate me. They cry out, but there is no one to help them. They cry out to the Lord, but he does not answer them. I grind them as a fine wind-blown dust. I beat them underfoot like clay in the streets. You rescue me from a hostile army. You make me a leader of nations. And people over whom I had no authority are now my subjects. And when they hear of my exploits, they submit to me. Foreigners are powerless before me. Foreigners lose their courage. They shake with fear as they leave their strongholds. The Lord is alive. He's my protector and praiseworthy. He's the God who delivers me, is exalted as king. The one true God completely vindicates me. He makes the nations submit to me. He delivers me from my enemies. You snatch me away from those who attack me. You rescue me from violent men. And I give thanks before the nations, O oh Lord, and I will sing praises to you. He gives his chosen king magnificent victories. He is faithful to his chosen ruler, to David and his descendants forever. Amen.
In the dawn, it shout out through the night. Oh, day is coming soon. In the kingdom of the morning star. stony heart and its grace went through me like a sword when it came out it came out like this song in the kingdom of the morning star Its grace went through me like a soul. Oh, and it came out like a song. Mm. Now I'm just waiting for the day. Just waiting for the day in the shadows of the dawn mm. But I won't wait Resting my bones I'll take these foolishness roads of grace and run towards the dawn Dawn turns today, I'll shine as bright as the sun, and these roads that I've run will be wise. But I won't wait, resting my bones, I'll take these foolishness roads of grace. Run towards the dawn And when I rise Dawn's turns today I'll shine as bright as the sun And these roads that I've run Will be wild A world away and still not far Like fabric woven into ours In the dawn that shout out through the night That day is coming soon And the kingdom, oh the kingdom of the morning star cold and stony heart and its grace went through me like a sword and came out like a song and now I'm just waiting for the day 
in the shadows of the dawn and I won't wait resting my bones I'll take these foolishness roads of grace and run towards the dawn trumpets sound and sometimes I glimpse into the fog and I listen for the song but till then I'm waiting for the day I'm waiting for the day in the shadows of the dawn
wide Wide and open space you've made
dance on the chains of my circumstance, walk on the waves of the storm. And I want to dance on the chains of my circumstance, walk on the waves of the storm. And nothing is impossible for those who believe that God is love. From those who believe that God is love, and God is love, and God is love, and I won't be afraid. God is love, and God is love, and nothing is impossible.
Nothing is impossible, nothing is 
impossible. When the dawn breaks through the day, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. No giants can stand in our way. Well, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. All oh, the kings will all give away. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. All oh, the giants will fall, will fall out of way. And the manger, the manger will rise, will rise like a nation. Hashem will rise like a nation. No, nothing is impossible. No, nothing is impossible. Oh, rise, rise. We believe your word. We believe your word. We believe your word. Oh, God, oh, God. I choose to believe your word. I choose to believe your word. Be it done unto me according to your word. 
be it done unto me according to your word to your word to your word be it done unto me according to your word to your word to your word be it done unto me i will believe your word above all i will believe your word you said we can take the nations you said we can take the giants you said you said no consciousness of sin you said we are free i believe your word and i take you at your word be it done unto me according to your word your word your word no 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 be it done unto me according to your word to your word to your word out of a manger a nation will rise the dawn will arise and break through break through be it unto me according to your word to your word to your word oh. Oh, i want to dance on the chains of my circumstance ride on the waves of all the storms just like Jesus asleep in the boat, the storm was taking him to shore. I will believe in the storm, in the valley, in the mountain, oh. Be it done unto me according to your word. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. God is love, oh, God is love. There's nothing impossible. Job 34, 16. If you have understanding, listen to this and hear what I have to say. Do you really think that one who hates justice can govern? Can those in the nations really govern if they hate justice? 
can they really, really bring in and bind or subdue the people under their authority? No. I will declare guilty, and, and he says, will you declare guilty then the supremely righteous one who says to a king, worthless man, and to nobles, wicked men, who shows no partiality to princes and does not take note of the rich more than the poor, because all of them are the work of his hands. In a moment they die, in the middle of the night. People are shaken and they pass away. The mighty are removed effortlessly. For his eyes are on the ways of an individual. He observes all a person's steps. And there is no darkness, if there is no darkness. There is no darkness and no deep darkness where evildoers can hide themselves. For he does not still consider a person that he should come before God in judgment. Well, hear the word of the Lord. He shatters the great without inquiry. See, the Lord doesn't need to set up some kind of investigation because the Lord knows all things and he sets up others in their place. Therefore, he knows their deeds and he overthrows them in the night. And they are crushed strikes them for their wickedness in a place where people can see because they have turned from following him and they have not understood any of his ways because they cause the cry of the poor to come up before him so that he hears the cry right now even now of the needy of the earth lord we ask you this morning we ask you to shatter the kings over many nations and bring down the heads over nations, Lord. Bind up the leadership of nations that are turned against you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, this morning. Bring down leadership, Lord, that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are. Lord, Lord, release it this morning. Release your government on the earth. Kids! 
I think I could hear David saying, the Lord is my defense. The Lord is my protector. I'm hidden in Christ and God. I've learned the shelter of the Most High. I live under the shadow of His wings. Shelter, Lord. And in that place, you're my shield. You're my buckler, Lord. 
Zatar. It's like divine invincibility that you cannot be touched in the shelter of the Most High. Hidden, hidden to bluff the hand of the enemy. Hidden here in a place of concealment. Concealed, invincible.
No giant can stand among you. No giant, no wall can stand among you. Shield and buckler and the ark of the covenant has come forth. Oh, and the holy of holies has come forth. Oh, take your nations, take your nations, oh, take your nations, oh. Take your nations, take your nations, and rise again until lambs become lions rise and rise again until lambs become lions
Blessed 
skips among the mountains and dances among the mountains. Blessed be he, blessed be he. our hands for war. And in concealment, he brings forth the sword, the double-edged sword coming out of his mouth.
I was hearing the sound of horses thundering. Which took me to Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened and here came a white horse. The one riding it was called Faithful and True. And with justice he judges and goes to war. His eyes are like a fiery flame and there are many diadem crowns on his head. He has a name written that no one knows except himself. He is dressed in clothing, dipped in blood, and he is called the Word of God. The armies that are in heaven, dressed in white, clean, fine linen, that's us. We're following him on white horses. From his mouth extends a sharp sword so that with it he can strike the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod, and he stomps the winepress of the furious wrath of God, the all-powerful. Revelation 19. Sorry. Verses 11 onwards through the chapter. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. That's what Peter just read. And then verse 7. So as we were worshiping, I started hearing the word satiated, that Jesus is satiated with our praises. And then if you look at verse 7, it says, Your drink by the brook by the wayside, he will lift up his head. It was like the Lord, you know, was lifting up his head. And Carol can share more about verse 7. Um, then what I saw was I felt very complete. The joy of the Lord just, just, yeah, feeling like when you've broken through, you're like, ah, and the Lord was lifting his head. But then um, there was a second part to that verse about lifting your head, and he was lifting our head with his head. Lift your heads, O gates, that the King of glory may come in, satiated. singing antiphonally you are my place you are my place like he's our hiding place you're the one i want to hide in you are my place and then the lord was singing you are my place you are my place you are my place and then it got to the point for me right before the word satiated come where when i said you are my place they were both happening at the same time you are my place it was like a double meaning in fullness and then the same with the lifting of your head explain it again okay that was hard to say um, because I've never experienced this before, right? So it was like the Lord's lifting his head, but then he's lifting our head, and then we're both together. Same th- thing as I'm saying, you are my place, and then I'm singing Tiffany from the Lord, you are my place. So Lord, you're my place, and the Lord's saying, you're my place. You know, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where, we, where is a place for me? I'm your place, Lord, you know. But then there came a moment when, right before the satiated, 
it was um, when I said you were my place, I was no longer saying it, and he was no longer saying it. We both were saying it at the same time. You are my place. Of course, we all have, know this passage. It says, um, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. And then Ephesians 2, it says, in whom all the building fitly framed together, this is us, the living stones of Christ, are grown together into the holy temple of the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a a habitation of God through the Spirit. So I, so, well, I, earlier I saw the river of God flowing down. It was like pouring down like a waterfall into this place and over all of us. And I was thinking, okay, well, that scripture coming from, you know, Revelation 21, they saw a river pure coming from the throne of God and Ezekiel, it's uh, 36 or 37 the river comes and it flows down into the temple and then goes down and cleanses all the water you know the dead sea and all that but god is saying i'm i'm setting up my habitation in you and that's what you saw and it's and i'm not sure if you saw it as something happening now or something that has happened you know how there's some things in your life that are true, whether you believe it or not, is does God's river come down from heaven? Does it? Are you sure? Because it's happening. It's happening. You, you, exactly. And that's where it comes from. It comes down and out. And the question is, am I going to put my umbrella up so that it doesn't affect me? Is my unbelief and my fear and my doubt going to be so strong that it actually pushes up against the river of God coming down and shields us from all the blessing and all the honor and everything he wants to give us because God says, I'm going to glorify you that you will glorify me. And without him glorifying you, you can't really glorify him. You know, all these days I've been trying to not glorify myself about myself it's about us being a glory to God but he needs to glorify us so that that can actually happen but I've been trying to I've been basically living out a false humility of thinking I was making myself humble so God wouldn't have to humble me but that's why Job is so important because Job was a righteous man he did everything that was right but there was a testing of God for him but it wasn't about his heart because God already knew where he was going to be in the end. It was about Job receiving such a revelation of God in himself that his capacity doubled. So it's the capacity of our heart that has to move. It's not us trying to shrink ourselves as if we're a prune. We're actually supposed to have our insides of our heart expanded so the glory of God can hit us and go out to all the regions around One more on this. So I just want to say it again another way. So you are my place both, both 
the double meaning of you are my place, God speaking with the river coming from the throne of God, Revelation 4, the river coming from our bellies. So there's like this, this same thing happening in heaven and on earth. And then when Tom, he does this, he's like, it's this, it's this. And the Lord's go, keep going up. And then, I, and then I, and it took me to Revelation 3, verse 12. It's about the company of the overcomers. It says, he who overcomes, I will make a pillar. A pillar. A pillar goes from heaven to earth. So sometimes we get all lost in just the, the, the river inside me, or then we get all lost in the river up there, river out there, you know. But it's actually both hands. And I believe it's really what God's saying today. My goodness. Wow. David said, I will not enter my own home or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place, a macomb, for the Lord, a fine dwelling place, a mishkanah. Powerful ruler of Jacob. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, the Lord is satiated. <laughs> he said he was really happy about my father. He's real. Our Father, he's real happy. <laughs> he's thrilled with today. Well, <clears throat> I have a lot of ground to cover with you today. <laughs> and we need to get started. Um, so, And we're going to need a piece of paper again today and some pens. Then we're going to get a bigger piece. 
Yeah, and I will get started where I left off last week with Melinda. I, Melinda had this whole page of notes last weekend, and she had the little triangle right at the very end. She said, but it was so small. <laughs> you know, it, was so, it was so little. Uh, this time, on your piece of paper, I want you to draw that, um, the V. I want you to put the V uh, with the point going straight down. So on your V, just um, put it straight down. Um, instead of to the side, just, and then what you want to do it with your paper, if you, and if you need paper and things, um, is this is going to be really important because uh, what we're going to go through, give room on each side of your drawing where you can write, because you'll need some room to actually, you know, visualize this and give some space to it. And you, you may want to draw kind of small, I mean, or write, uh, your letter's smaller because it'll make up too big because you won't be able to get all this material on one sheet of paper. So at the end there, and thank you for those words, uh, gentlemen. That was really, really powerful. At the end there, um, to top of your piece of paper, above your, your V, above your V, you could write uh, dwelling place. Or you could put fine dwelling place. And then again, lay out your numbers the way that we've laid them out before. And so, so you're going to have on your, now this would be on your, your right side of it. You're going to put one over there, then come down two, three, put four at the point, and then back up five, six, and seven. And so it's, it's going to be on your right is going to be one, and then you're going to come down with it two, three, four at the point or the apex, and then five, six, and seven. And then that's going to be the picture. That, a couple weeks ago, I was at, well, this has been going on for a long time. I mean, at least since, at least since 2011, the Lord's just, you know, been putting a real inference uh, with me on Psalms 110, 1 through 7, and saying, this will be the mechanism of the, uh, of the end time move. And I, I really want you to pay attention to it. And so at that point, he had started to just open my eyes up to Psalms 110. He's like, you'll see that the whole move of God will propel off of this and I you know I didn't know what he was talking about but I was like you know I'm gonna go for it and try to teach it and try to understand what he's saying to me and so what I'm gonna attempt today to do because like a couple weeks ago I got down on my knees at beside my bed and I said you know Lord like open my eyes and he did he's just like I want to ex expand Psalms 110 1 through 7 onto uh, the framework of what's going on in your ministry and uh, which he's been doing uh, for years when we were in worship the Lord's like you're not successful in worship unless you can get through all seven verses and I, I remember back years ago I was like a lot of people when they come into a worship set are just like trying to break through Psalms 1 the Lord said to my Lord sit until I make your enemies a footstool and you know a lot of people would come in you feel their issues and all that and you know I'm like, oh my goodness, can we just get our issues dealt with before we come into the event? Because, and you know, and, and I, I remember uh, one Sunday I was like, I can't, like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to take all, you know, I was starting to like feel people's problems and know what was going on and stuff. And I don't, I don't really go around talking about that, but you know, I could feel issues. And some of you may have that same perception. I didn't really, I grew up sort of, in my mind, aloof to everything that was going on to some extent. Uh, but people were coming in, and I starting to, and I said, "Lord, what do I do?" And he said, "Remember uh, when the prophet, like, had someone put a 
Y'all know this story about putting a bad gourd or something in, or putting something bad into the pot of soup for the school of the prophets? Y'all know that story? You don't know that story? Okay. <laughs> well, there was a school of the prophets back in the day of, I believe, Elijah. And he had a bunch of guys that he was like training in the prophetic ministry. And they ended up having a, they were going to eat together and they had like a, they had a potluck. And, and the potluck was really like someone had poisoned the uh, pot of soup. Accidentally, it wasn't on purpose, but it was poisoned. And you know, if they eat it, you know, his school of the prophets is going to end. Everybody's going to be dead. And so what he does is he ends up. The Lord tells him to put this really fine flour into the pot, right? And that if he does, that it'll make the whole pot, you know, good, and they can all eat it. You know, and I don't know, like, if you're like, okay, go get a bag of white lily. <laughs> you know, so, no, it's not white lily. Well, it could be, speaking of the lily dimension. But anyways, uh, throw some white lily or something in there, and then, and then everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to eat that. Uh, I don't think so. Well, the prophet says, eat it. Now I remember saying to the Lord, I was like, what do you do when you come into an environment and things are just like off? He said, sling bread. And I said, I said you know what? All right, I could do that. You know, he said, take the fine, refined flour and swing it all throughout your meeting with the prophetic word of the Lord and override the atmosphere. And I said, all right, so, you know, let, let doctrine fall like dew, as it says in Deuteronomy. I was like, and then it'll just re-integrate like, the people's minds, and then they'll all be fine. And um, it worked as long as I didn't get into a bad headspace myself. Because, you know, because the, comp the thing that's going on with many of us is, is the word of God. There's being a challenge to the word of the Lord. That he's the bread that comes down from heaven, right? And there, something in our life is being challenged by the enemy, contested, problem going on in our life. And something's trying to erode that word. That's why Psalms 110.1 is crucial. The Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies a footstool, right? Because what is the challenge? It'll always be the word of God. You know, uh, oh, he's not going to take care of you. Oh, you're going to lose this. Oh, you're not going to be able to break through in that. Whatever it is. And the Lord's wanting you to stand on the word. So in, in ministry, is just like sling bread and then bring everybody else into the, my mind. And I, I started learning about atmospherics and apostolic atmospherics. That's the way he talks to me. And set a whole atmosphere for my glory and then let it just come down. And I'll, I'll uh, give them the mind of Christ out of your mind of Christ. I said, that's interesting. I didn't know you could do that. But be that as it may, it works, actually. So um, I would say, Lord, how do you get this kind of thing set up for us today? And so, so what I find out is during our process that we were going through, that there was a seven-part investiture that the Lord wanted to restore back to his people. And investiture, when you think of investiture, I'm not sure what you think of, but anybody like want to say, when I say investiture, what comes to your mind? Nothing comes, yeah. thank you. That is blank slate honesty right there. I asked, asked your wife, Steve, I said, when you think of investiture, what comes to your mind? She said, nothing. Imputation. <laughs> imputation, okay, imputation, good, good word. Investing, okay, investing, good, good. Anybody else, investiture, what comes to your mind? Okay, the armor of God, uh, anybody else? 
Your children, okay, your children. Um, okay, infu- okay, to be infused. Do you, y'all remember like a really big story that happened in Genesis, right? When at the very beginning there before Adam and Eve fell, right? Remember that something happened and once they, you know, knowingly partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, actually Adam, when he did, something happened. What was it? Uh, what, it, what was his response uh, after he fell? You remember? He puts, on, he puts on something, right? He puts on fig leaves to cover, you know, his private places, place, and then his wife does as well. They, they start to feel that they need to cover up. And then, you know, later on, there's going to be another covering that's going to be cut out and that's a very extensive understanding but they're going to be clothed upon and what I'll find out you'll find out if you really study the text was a garment of violence and later on you're going to see this garment of violence uh, throughout scripture I I haven't done a teaching on this yet but and it's not my full thing today but they were clothed with a, a garment where an animal had to be killed Right? Uh, and blood had to be shed, which is a picture we're going to see in Christ at the cross. But it's early on shedding someone's blood has to be shed because there's been an act that has been committed that requires the shedding of blood. Um, and, and so they were clothed in garments of violence. And that's, that actually is in the Hebrew, if you study this and go on with it. And I, I don't have all my notes on that. Where they were invested with or invested upon by themselves. They invested themselves with fig leaves. And then they were invested upon with a garment of violence. And this has clothed, and it's sort of like, it's not just a, uh, an outward garment. It, it, it became a part of our person. The investiture went, it's like the clothing like integrated into us. And became a part of the fabric of our RNA or your expression, sir. Right, it came in and it became a part of your RNA, your expression. And so man continues to go forward, and woman, and the Lord has began to cut their years down because uh, now violence is becoming a part of the human nature. Uh, and you know, and, and that story is phenomenal. And today it's not my duty to tell that whole story, but to say that in this investiture, God wanted to take out the garment of violence and the fig leaf. Say things like this in Revelation, you realize that you're blind, poor, and naked. And in this repentance, we can begin to be invested back upon with the merits of Christ or his vestments. This language is um, used in the coronation of a king or a queen. Uh, they'll, they'll receive an investiture and they, they put on them like royal robes and they invest them in front of everybody to say, you know, we're recognizing you as a person as regal that has authority and is going to govern the land. Well, it's God's intention in, in the cross and what uh, Jesus paid for to reinvest his people with the, with the investiture that he has. Uh, he wants to give this back, and I want to—I just want to tell you that this is what's been going on in this ministry now for six weeks. We went—we were actually in what's called a reverse coronation, 
And there's a whole process in, involved in this that, will, that gives glory to Jesus because Jesus is, Acts 3.21, retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Jeff was saying it this morning, the place becomes the place. Now, I want to say with that that Jesus is a literal person so, because some people got too far with the mystery dimension of Christ that Christ is going to just make himself known in us uh, and somehow he's just sort of set aside. And I want to be really clear that Jesus isn't set aside in this because we're receiving his investiture. But a part of his enthronement uh, that's, that's outside of space-time is done, but in the already and the not yet is not done, a part of that is that he has to be enthroned in us. Because the Father is looking for something or a qualitative quality that we look like him. And we, the restoration of all things, Acts 3.21, Jesus is under a legal retainer until we look like him. And so there's this convergence that's happened here in the end of the age. That he wants, and maybe he only has to have a few. I don't know that he actually has to have a lot of people uh, this, you know, years ago, I said in 2006, I said, what do you need to get this thing done? He said, I need one person who'll go all the way with me. I was like one out of seven and a half billion people. Yeah, just one. You know, we think Gideon's army is a big thing, right? The Lord's just like, he just needs one person because the father's looking for one person that actually will go all the way and receive all the merits that Christ paid for back into their self so that he can bring him out of retention. So, you know, yes, it's going to go to the stadiums. Yes, there's big events coming. But what the Lord really needs is just one that looks like him on the ground, that, that talks like him, that is exactly replication of himself. Is not himself, but looks just like him. Because that gives glory to the Father. The sinful humanity fully restored back to look like him. And completely be just exactly like he is. The exact prototype of the archetype Father. And that's what he's looking for. The eyes of the Lord, that's what they're going to and fro throughout the earth. Looking for one. And what's amazing in this ministry... I. Again, I can't speak for every ministry. I know this ministry is sitting under a mandate, pioneer for a glorified body. God wants a third temple in us. He wants a place where he can dwell in a fine dwelling place. And so a part of this reverse coronation is the investiture. Now, our ministry, I, basically my whole life's given to this, so I track it all. And y'all know a lot of people are like, what is Carol talking about? But I've tried to do my best. This ministry went through. Thank you. This ministry went through a probationary period downtown Asheville. It lasted uh, weeks one through sixty-two at YMI, and then we went through a conferral in weeks sixty-three through sixty-nine, and we came into a confirmation in week seventy. Um, this spoke of in Daniel nine, and so when we were coming into week seventy, about three or four weeks into it, I said, "Lord, what is going on?" And, you know, I'm like one of those guys that, like, and I hope you're like this too, but if I can't get something satisfied in my thinking on something, I will dig until I find an answer. And I, I'm not going to back off. It's the glory of God to conceal. It's the glory of a king to search it out. 
I'm not going to just sit there and be like, well, whatever, I'm just throw it. No, dig, 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 find, find until you find it. And so what I ended up finding was something called coronation. And then I was like, well, that don't make sense with our ministry. It's reverse coronation because everything's going back in reverse back to him, what he's already paid for. So we come out of Eden, Eden land downtown, and we come over here to Hidden Bluff. And then, so we're going through this series of events. So we go through, and this is in reverse of a coronation. So the reverse of it is the closing procession. The second, that was out of week 70. Out of 71, we went through enthronement. And week 72, we went through homage, which means to proclaim his name. And I, I did in my own way. I got up here and danced because I didn't know how to get his name out. So I just lost it in front of everybody. Because I was like, I can't get all the 72 names out of my mouth. So I was like, in Hebrew. So I thought, I'll just dance it out in front of all of y'all. Well, I didn't actually think that. I just lost my head. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that's how you get your name out. <laughs> you just lose it, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't say all those names. Then we go through week 73, and the Lord's like, I'm going to transfer the capital seat, dominion, and domicile over to this ministry on a national level. Week 74, the crowning of the man-child. And the man-child, you know, is born out of Revelation 12. Hey, Carol, you're going too fast. I can't tell you all those stories right now. So, yeah, I'm going fast. But I'm, I'm trying to get to land a point today. I'm just giving you a little context. And so we get up to week 75, and I'm like, the Lord's like, there's going to be a seven-part investiture. And I said, dang, now, but I wanted to get to the anointing. <laughs> Because the investiture, after that inner reverse coronation, is an anointing. I was like, I just want to get to the anointing, man. You know, let's get the power dimension operational. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is going to be amazing. You know, and so, and so, uh, so X2M 75. So in your number one there, okay, one through seven, right shoulder. So the first component of investiture, we find out because we never know week to week what it is. And I, I don't know. And so that's the Sunday that Kelly Manning comes up and Pete Lineker comes up. And they talk about the monarch butterfly and how it lights on the shoulder. And come to find out that the first thing that God does in the investiture is he shoulders us with a dominion through domicile. And I wrote in my notes, Dominion, including domicile, and Stephen sends me, when I read it, I just saw Dominion through domicile. And I said, that's incredible. I was like, that's in Corinthians 11. Remember in Corinthians 11, I believe it, it, it says that man is not independent of woman, and woman is not independent of man. But woman came from man, and man must go through a woman. So you can't actually take dominion without going through domicile. A man can't take dominion without going through his wife. He can't bypass her. Though maybe we all have tried. <laughs> I know I have. Yes, I'm still trying. You know, and it doesn't work actually because the Lord will resist the proud and give grace to the humble. He has a way of doing things. But, but she can't independent herself from him because she comes from him. She comes from him, and he goes through her. And so when we're talking about shouldering in the investiture, the Lord took me to this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. 
And, and y'all know this. Uh, a child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. And what had happened the week before in X2M74, the man-child's born, and then, it, very logically, the next thing he does is to shoulder dominion through domicile. A child has been born to us, child. A son has been given to us, man. A man-child. And so I started to look up this investiture out of Isaiah 9-6 to shoulder dominion. Listen to this. I study the Hebrew in this to get this, and this is, so this is going to relate to investiture number one. The Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies a footstool. Do you see the overlap, the investiture here of Psalms 110? One is shouldering. In Isaiah 9, 6, four qualities are given concerning God's, uh, Jesus' government because it says, right that he shall it shall be upon his what shoulders the government shall be upon his shoulders listen to the listen to this um these four qualities of shouldering now here's the first one extraordinary strategist so now i just want to share with y'all look at this how you've heard this said your whole life when you've heard it sung and, and spoke up. For a child has been born to us, son has been given to us. He shoulders responsibility and is called, right? And, and you've heard it said, right? You've heard it said, yes, uh, wonderful counselor. But in the Hebrew, a better translation of that is extraordinary strategist. What's, difference, what's the difference in counseling and strategy making? It's a pretty big difference. You know, you're sitting, you think, uh, you're sitting over there. What's that? Government. Thank you. You know, it's military. It's not just, okay, I'm, lay, I'm laying in here on my bed, sitting, listening to my therapist. <laughs> right? It's not therapy. It's an extraordinary ability to think strategically on maybe local, global, or national, uh, international affairs. He's extraordinary. Now, we're saying we're receiving back his investiture. Christ has paid for this to give this back to the church. He can't be enthroned until this happens to us. Do you see? It's not taking away from him. This is why he went to the cross was to reinvest us. I want to make that clear. He wants to make us, give us these qualities of extraordinary Strategist. Yeah. Not just, well, you're a wonderful counselor. Uh, I can go to my therapist every week. You know, no, I'm wanting to give, here's what I wrote governmental leadership and strategy for diplomacy and war at a national and an international capacity. No, maybe it doesn't have to be to that capacity. I don't know whatever capacity he gives you. You know, it might be just how to get get your house cleaned up. <laughs> that can take strategy sometimes too, right? The next, the next one, we've heard it said, mighty God. But a better translation in the Hebrew is actually the manly warrior of El. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> He's named from the family of El as an Elohim, lowercase Elohim. In this case, he's the big E. Uh, we are the little E. And if you need some help with that, Go listen to Michael Heiser on Psalms 82. It'll help you with that because, and John 10, Jesus even said it. Ye are 
Elohim. He was saying God's little g. Um, so your name from the family of El as an Elohim and to your core is that of manly warrior. Now, hey, can a female have manly warrior on? Yes, because your soul is both male and female. You're not, your gender's not, but your soul is. And so there's this core of, of warrior in your nature. In Christ, in this for the first investor, number three, he's the Olam Father. Now we've heard it said, we read it, everlasting father, but I like Olam Father. So you have the heart of the Father that's sitting outside of space-time. And I wrote the eternal 7D or 7-dimensional nature. You have the ability to have aperture or vision, aspect aperture, to make a judicial decision at a higher level. So you can make, when you're connected in perspective, this outside space-time, you can really make decisions better. Because some of our decision-making is made at a lower-level perspective. And a lot of times, it's, it doesn't have the, the girth behind it or the reasoning behind it is necessary. And so you have to have a decision-making that sits outside of that. And that's why the Word of God will come to you and inform you of something that maybe you had no information to go on. You know, we're watching our culture right now just go after AI, right? Which is... I, Adultery and idolatry, it is, you know, I just call it like it is. And they're saying, let AI inform us. And the Lord's saying, no, put down that place of ruins. I'm the one that's supposed to give you information. You're not going to get it um, necessarily from your cell phone or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You'll enter into worship with me. And so the Olam Father is, to have the heart of the Father, your judicial decision making comes from another dimension. His word comes to you and informs you. Then you make your decision, right? The Lord said to my Lord, sit until your enemies are a footstool. If you've ever been there and you felt that pressure, and it's like, well, I can make this decision, left base. I can make this decision, right base. The Lord's like, wait on my word. Wait on the eternal Father to give you the information you need, the downloads you need, then execute, right? He's also called, we've heard it called the Prince of Peace, and in this case, the best translation I could find, the Prince of Peace. <laughs> you know, I couldn't get a better translation than that. The Prince of Peace, though, is this idea of causing irreconcilable odds to be reconciled. Something that just, it just could not be solved. You get the Olam Father's word and you bring that word into a dimensional space, you solve these complex issues why? Because peace means, to have peace, uh, Zechariah 6.13, and he shall be a priest upon his throne and a king upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be there. So the only way for you to make a proper decision, you have to have male and female in agreement. And that actually will bring peace when there's agreement. And so you're... Uh, you, you know, looking for that, and you can get that only by the word of the Lord, out of the Olam Father. And so that's monarch, or the idea of investiture out of verse 1, or that's to shoulder. The next week, X2M70, yes. Prince of Peace. Okay, so um, Olam Father's number 3. 
So extraordinary uh, strategist, the manly warrior of El, the Oam father, and the prince of peace. These qualities are wrapped up in that first verse to shoulder dominion through domicile in your, tri in your uh, V. Like, isn't that in and of itself just amazing? God wants to give that to us, the Father. That's what he wants. That's just number one. There's seven components to this investiture. That's just one component. Because when God gets this V right, this investiture, you know what he's going to do? He's going to come and sit down on it. It looks like him. And he's going to make himself union with it because he restored the investiture and he's going to anoint it. So that when his power comes on an investiture that is right, it can break forth in light and illumination. He, he wants to put this illumination back out in power. You can imagine if God came on a broken investiture and put power on it, what are you going to get? You're going to get a broken government. And have we not seen enough of that? Right, not to say God put his power on it, but people have tried to put power and use other things, use people and use resources to bring forth their own power. The Lord wants to put legitimate actual power on his people. Legitimate power, not illegitimate uh, trying to make power. Uh, the next one was X2M76. That was our 76th week. Was Number two there was, is to seal. One is shoulder, number two is seal. Um, you're probably familiar with uh, you're probably familiar with Song of Songs eight. Set me as a seal on my heart and my arm. Right? What is the word doing here with a seal? And I'm, there's so much to be said about a seal, but I'm going to try to not that seal. Who did that? <laughs> it was. It's not that kind of seal. <laughs> the sound of the seal. Sound. Set me as a seal on my, on my heart and my arm. What? First commandment and second commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? Do, and love your what? It says in Psalm 78, it says that David, at the very end of Psalm 78, I believe it's the last verse, it said he shepherded them with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hand. The heart, the, this part of loving the word, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Four components here. I'm going to love the Lord with, I'm going to love the Lord in these four dimensions. I'm going to love him prophetically, priestly, judiciously, and kingly. My heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. So I'm going to love the Lord in these four ways. Because some of us in the church, we've rejected the mind. A lot, of, a lot of people just threw the mind out. I think Mark Knoll wrote a book, the, the Rejection or something of the Evangelical Mind. It's just like throw the mind out because that makes it, well, if you use your mind, you're ungodly. I'm like, the Bible says to get the mind of Christ. You know, you're not ungodly if you use your mind. 
Well, we can dance like the best of them, but throw the mind out. You know, and then some people, they're like, you know, throw the emotions out. You can't have any emotions, yeah. you know. We're like, well, that ain't going to work, you know. <laughs> you know, sh stuff your emotions. Shut your emotional thing down. You can't be happy. You can't be sad. You can't be mad. You just have to sit there. You have no emotions. You know, so different camps in the church have, have like, emphasized prophets. Some emphasize the priestly dimension, some the judicial, and some the kingly. And the Lord's saying, love me with all of them. You know, like, I want you to take care of your physical temple. And there's a big thing about that right now. That, that's the priestly dimension, actually. And, you know, athleticism and eating properly. I mean, hey, that does matter. Don't, know you not that your body is a temple, right? Take care of yourself. So what I'm getting at is he's saying love your, the Lord, your God, with all of that. And then love your neighbor as yourself. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to seal you with a seal. In King's language, that seal is the mark of authority. When uh, they, they used to do this, and I think you'll see more of this as we return back to kingly government, uh, the king would wear a ring with his seal in it, and it, you know, they would, when a document was written, uh, they'd put a wax, they'd drip wax onto it and sign it with a seal. If that seal was broken, that document, it has to be broken by the receiver and the sender is ensuring that that document is open by anyone else, right? Sealing is, is the idea of authentication. It's to authenticate something. And so there's an authentication that's involved in this. And when you have the authentication, I like to think of it sort of like, um, like uh, something that is, um, like we did this in the military, it's called crypto. And we had these mode four boxes and a mode four, what they would do is they would transmit something called IFF, identification friend or foe. And every day in the mode four, our C, they were called C shoppers. The C shop within the avionics department would go in and they would get, they would, they would send like this line of code and they would insert it into the mode four. And that line of code was all these digits and numbers and everything. And it, it's a global code number that's given to the military, our the American military. And they would take that code after they put it in the mode four box and they would burn it in a burn can every, every day they changed the code. And that code, what they would do is they would go out before the aircraft, our aircraft, the F-15 Strike Eagle would launch and they would shoot it with the mode four. The aircraft would also have an uploaded code into it. And if it didn't come back friend, that aircraft doesn't fly. Why? Because if you get up in the air and you're a foe, you're going to get shot out of the air because it transmits friend or foe. Well, sealing is like that. That's the best way I know how to explain it. It's like mode four. There's a crypto, uh, there's a crypto not cryptocurrency, but there's a crypto uh, code that God can only authenticate. And if it is exactly right, Psalms 110.2, you can release the scepter rule in the midst of your enemies. What is the crypto code? It's the word of God. You have, we have literally no authority without authentication. If the Holy Spirit does not authenticate it, it will have no power on it. That he has to authenticate it. This is why the seal matters. He's putting a permanent seal on. I don't know how he does that. He doesn't have to change the mode for code out every day. 
The Lord knows his code. And it either lines up with his word or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you know what your words will do? Go to the ground. Why? Samuel didn't have this problem. It says he, he spoke and, man, it went into their ears. And, I mean, they're like, oh, it's the word of the Lord. But men and women were doing their things right with the, in their own mind. Words just fall to the ground. They have no power sitting in them. Why? They weren't, you need a seal. Number two, you need a seal. And you need not just a seal on your heart. You need a seal on your hand because it's possible to have good intentions and still do the wrong thing. You can have the best intentions and still act wrongly. You know, we've all, you know, people have said that. Well, your intentions were good, but, you know, what does it say about the road is paid with what? Something? Good intentions. I mean, the road to hell is paid with good intentions. You can have great intentions and not act right. You know, and, and so God wants both the seal here with great, with per, I mean, perfect intentionality towards him and my actions match my intention. That's why, again, it says Psalm 78 there. Then David led them with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hand. Why? Because your intention has to be perfectly integrous. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I've been married 21 years, and my intentions get checked out all the time. <laughs> you know, anybody else, you know what I'm talking about? Like, and it used to be like, I'm going to check your intentions way back before you even acted. Like, you know, seven intentions back. Like, well, you know when you thought that thought, Carol, that last week? Well, it just entered into your action today. Well, I just wanted to talk to you about it, if that's okay. Kara, you know, just, I just want to talk to you about it. I'm like, mm, you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I was wanting to, la, 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 la. That's what some of our kids do. <laughs> and they do this. This is so funny. It's like, Sadie's like, but to Leanne, and he's like, la, 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 You know, it's like, you know, anyways. We need the seal. You can see, right, that we need a seal. We need a seal that says the crypto's right. The, 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 the logic of the crypto is correct, and now my action matches my intention. And we need this to come in an investiture from him so that, listen, because we need, we need grace. So we need this seal to be reinvested onto us. He wants to give it to us in such a way that Paul will say, I don't care if you judge me, I don't even judge my own self. Oh, man, the glory of that thought. Why? I'm sealed. That means, what, you're saying that, are you saying? I'm saying that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> It's a done deal. Exactly. See, and that creates so many problems for us. Self-judgment, other judgment. What if you could just be okay with, yeah, but the decision, you, well, I'm sealed. <laughs> you don't, I don't know. I've, oh, that's a glory right there. That's a glory. Sealing is a glorious thing. We don't have to. We don't have to decide. So even if I am wrong, I'm still sealed. God, God, deal with it. God, show me 
He, he's, he knows how to deal with us. He knows how to take care of us. Uh, Stephen's been saying this a lot. God is my keeper. So my perception, other people's perception may be off about you, may be off about me, but God is my seal. He's the authenticator. Now, if, if, you're, if you're like, I'm off, and the consciousness of God comes to you by the Holy Spirit and says, hey, repent, then do whatever, what he tells you to do, right? Otherwise, <laughs> be sealed. You know, let the Holy Spirit decide. So, now, so that there's, then there's real authority there. It's not second-guessing all the time. It's authority. The next, uh, X2M77, was Starrock. S-T-A-R-O-C-K. So that one will go down in number three. So what I started finding out about this was a, a star, this is in, I believe, Numbers 24, 17. This is the fourth oracle of Balaam. A star, a king, will march forth. A scepter, which is also strangely rendered as a comet or a rock, to make parallel with a star, will rise out of Israel. Now, we're used to stars or comets descending. But in the star rock, there's an ascension. Uh, This morning, you, you hear that song going forth, rock. Rise, And when we think about this in the same way when we look at Hollywood and we call them what? And we'll say they got platformed or they rose up, right? Well, it's, it's similar to that, but uh, righteous, <laughs> you know, fully righteous. Um, star Ock, O-C-K there, means overcomer king. And, and so this is the overcomer company in them investiture three. I, and I, I want to persist this because the Lord told me I'm going to raise up a seven-facet overcomer. So just within this number three, Starrock, is people who have overcome all seven churches. Anybody ever heard of a general, like in the military? Well, one star is called a general. A two star is called a major general. A three star is called a brigadier general. And then a four-star is called a general. So it's, well, it's actually, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It's, that's the way I memorize it. It's B-M-L-G. Brigadier, Major, Lieutenant, General. Okay, that's how we do it in the Air Force. And I think that's the same way across everyone. So B-M-L-G, Brigadier, Major, Lieutenant, then General. So it's Brigadier, General, Major, General, Lieutenant, General, General. Now, here's the thing, though. The Lord told me this when I was getting Star Rock. He said, you ever heard of a seven-star general? <laughs> I said, nope. Never heard of a seven-star. He's like, well, that's what this Star Rock is about. I said, dude, that's something now. That's an investiture I want. <laughs> you know, just, I don't know. Some of us are ambitious. You know, He used ambition to literally get me into everything. And then I started crying a lot after he got me into things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lord, I mean, you know how to train, but this is 17 years. Oh my gosh! You know, MZ Hop Double O MZ Collider. We went through all seven of these. There was a seven literal encounters with all the seven churches. Actually, um, after this investiture is done, we couldn't even like get started with this ministry without all seven churches. 
overcoming on all. I mean, the man child, he told me, cannot even be born without all seven churches being overcome in the human soul. So Psalms 110.3 seems pretty radical. It is. This is a seven-star general or a king. Because in God's kingship or queenship class, there's seven stars. Now, we in the military, the highest level of star general is a five-star, and that's a theater. They run whole theaters, and they only uh, bring them out usually in times of war. Uh, so if you have a big time of war, you'll bring a five-star out, and he'll run a whole division over all the different services. It wouldn't be like a four-star would like we have four-star generals in the Air Force or Marine Corps or Navy, or they have admirals. But when you're running a whole theater, you have a five-star. What I'm talking about is seven-star, star rock. That's the third part of investiture. Just think of it, ladies and gentlemen. What the Lord is wanting to reinvest his people with. I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Yes, I mean, that's just verse 3. There's seven of these. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah! <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yeah! Oh, man, how far has man fallen? Do you see? How far? We've been eating the crumbs, you know. We've been going around trying to find crumbs. The Lord's wanting to reinvest us with all the merits of Christ. He just looking for somebody, anybody. Can I just give this to you? I'll give it to you if you'll just do what I tell you to. You know, and you're like, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, <clears throat> okay, get back up. Dunk him, get back up. <laughs> Dunk him again, get back up. Dunk him again, get back up. You know, a thousand times, but eventually, <laughs> he's going to give you everything. You know what I'm saying? Verse 4, now we're at the, we're at the point right here. So we find out. Oh, this has been amazing. This has been an amazing journey here at Hidden Bluff. The next one is Shakar. S-H-A-C-H-A-R. Shakar. Uh, Stephen and I recorded a podcast on this. If you get to hear it, you'll be blessed. Shakar means the dawn. The idea behind Shakar is uh, in this investiture... Or give me the ability to do this. It's the ability to begin to perceive multidimensionally. Um, there's, there's 12 dimensions, and the Father, he's outside of that, those dimensions. And the way, the way that I understand this, and I'm, you, know, you can get all the notes off probably, I think I've got them where you can get our notes off um, the podcast. But basically, I'm just going to really quickly, there, there are three uh, dimensions that was done in a paper on the, uh, it's called the dawn of two dawns. And in Shakar, it's, it's understood like this. And so just write down, so we're going to do three dimensions and I'm going to give a, a title for each dimension. The first one is mythical dimension. Now myth here doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means it's beyond our understanding. So when I'm using the word myth here, I'm just saying it's outside of the 12 dimensions. And so I call it the Olam D because God himself is eternity. So in Olam D, which is outside of the 
outside of the 12th dimension, he influences us down into the dimension that we're in right now. Well, what I call 6 through 12D, which is called the royal dimension. So God comes down into, by light, he transmits light down into that. And in Shakar, we begin to have our eyes opened up into the dawn. Uh, Stephen started out in that song. So at the apex of this 110 through 4 is this idea of going into the dawn or going into where God is, that he is light. God dwells in darkness, it says, but he himself is light. And so in this royal dimension, you, per, you begin to perceive that light and then you bring it into the, our temporal dimension, the 4D, the dimension where, that you, we can all see each other in right now. With Shakar, it's the ability to be able to perceive outside space-time and bring what is outside space-time into this time. You see, that's a pretty cool investiture, right? When Adam lost that, he couldn't get a translation from, I mean, from heaven to earth as quickly as he was or could. So his translation was slowed down because he began to cover himself up because Adam and Eve were basically light. And they could integrate with light. And we are made to be reintegrated and transformed by the dawn into light. I swear, and I will not repent, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So it's, it's, the, it's the bringing out of the mythical dimension through the royal dimension into the temporal dimension. And in this paper, The Dawn of Two Dawns, what he writes is an extremely profound, but he, he puts that the Psalms are broke up into five books. And in the fifth book, at the very beginning of the fifth book, Psalms 108 through 110, through, excuse me, 110, the one we're dealing with, is called the Davidic Trilogy. Now, so do you understand what I'm saying? In Shakar, we got five books of the Psalms. The fifth book, at the very beginning of the fifth book, Psalms 108 through 110, is called the Davidic Trilogy. And so the Dawn of Two Dawns is uh, taken the 108 through 110 and bringing them out and showing how that outside of space-time God can bring that into the royal dimension into the temporal dimension and so when Jesus will say repent and believe the gospel because the gospel is actually in four dimensions death burial resurrection ascension repent and believe the gospel the kingdom of heaven is at hand because it literally is at hand it takes you back to the seal the ability by the hand to access the kingdom and bring it into now. But you can't bring the kingdom into now if you can't see it. Because I, you've heard me say this, sheep hear but kings see. You need to be able to, you need to be able to shakar the dawn so that you see what your father's doing and bring what your father is doing into now. Understood? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, all right, the royal dimension, the way I understand this, is the, um, the sixth through the twelfth dimension, okay? And you probably have heard me speak on the fifth dimension, which I basically left out of this. 
because in the four temporal or the four dimension and the temporal dimension that we're in right now, there's length, width, height, and depth. So we have X, Y, Z, and T as time. And so, so in the fourth dimension, four dimensions, you heard me probably say a few weeks ago, don't worry about what is there or where, but be here. So if you're not present, you can't access the fifth dimension. And then, of course, I use this illustration that the fifth dimension is like a straw that you look through. that has two holes on either side. And you can look through that straw. What that means is to get a double connotation from what heaven is saying to you. So what happens is you'll have a double witness or a triple witness of something that the Lord is trying to speak to you. And what you're looking for is something to match. You know, and it'll always agree with his word. But you'll have a couple of things that'll happen. And sometimes they'll happen at the exact same moment. And then when that happens, you're basically uh, breaching through the fifth dimension. So that what God's idea is, is, is that heaven and earth are co-located within yourself because basically the fifth dimension has collapsed. Meaning that your body literally is like walking in such it's what Jeff was saying. The place is the place. You're, you're walking so much in the spirit or you're in the spirit that where you are is where he is. And so whatever you're doing is what he, would, what he is doing. And that's six-dimensional reality. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's literally that your body literally is what his body would be doing in you. Right. Right. Is that royal dimension kind of talking about that that relationship, I guess? Yeah. No, no. I mean, it it literally is like because on one side of that straw and on the other side is basically judgment. And so what's happening is what you're looking for is a promise from the Lord and an oath that says, I agree. There's a passage in Corinthians that describes this. It says, um, all the promises of God are yes and amen unto the glory that goes, and they use a preposition through or by or us. So what, what that is, is it's yes, amen, that's fifth dimension, a promise and an oath, and it brings it right together, and so you're in basically the sixth dimension. And where I would say that almost universally, even some great leadership that I know, and we've texted back and forth, and they, this is the biggest struggle for everybody. I mean, across the board, even some of the most advanced leadership struggles more with fifth dimension than anything because there are a lot of enemies there. Paul would say, effectual door has been opened for me, but there are many enemies because everything is trying to get you not to get into that. Now, I mean, uh, your history, your family orientation, what's going on 
uh, with your job, I mean, uh, distractions, is trying to get you over there or where you came from into shame and guilt. And the Lord's like, be here in time. Then you're waiting on the Lord, and then the light begins to illuminate. You pick up the promise and the oath. It collapses, and you're in it. And you transmit it. So Melchizedek will tell Abram, he said, blessed are you, Abram, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed are you because you've been able to begin to, again, like Jeff was saying, be place in place. The place and the place are in the same place. You're not like, what's going on, man? And it's dark for you. Yeah. Right. So there's one way of looking at that where you see what the Father's doing and you copy it. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're seeing heaven and then you you follow Jesus on earth. But then there's a I only do as I see the Father doing where you're actually walking in in him so that there's not like a delay. There's not like a see and then copy, it's like it's all happening at one time. Yeah. That's Shakar. It is, but that is, the idea of shakar is you're literally walking in the light <laughs> everywhere. It's not like, okay, I got to wait, wait for it. Okay, where's he at? Okay, so delay, delay. But you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you know, we start with the, the delay, but eventually it's gonna coll- you're going to collapse the fifth dimension and be in him, and he's in you everywhere you go and whatever you do. Uh, and that would be the royal dimension. The reason why it's priest and then king is because that is true royalty. Royalty is to literally walk in the kingdom with the king, just doing whatever he does. Um, that is the royal dimension. And so, um, again, that's Shakar. And there's, I've got a lot of notes on this that gets into more detail. Job 7.21, for now, he said, I'll lie down in the dust and you'll seek me diligently at dawn, but I'll be gone. Uh, Job was worried about this. This thing's going to kill me, you know, because he he realized that the dawn, the dawn was what he needed. He needed that light to illuminate him, and bring him into a, a real understanding. And he was in so much darkness because basically the Lord was upgrading him uh, to give him something better than he had before. Shakar number four. The next week uh, we got into, and this was last week, X2M79. So this is, he said, you're coming around the horn. And I was like, oh, so coming around to the apex of that V. And we come around last w- uh, week for investiture number five, which it was, ends up being uh, Shimi Haza. Now, I've had some people ask me this week about this, and, and um, I did podcasts actually with Austin on it. You can listen to about Shimi Haza. But I want to explain Shimi Haza because this is, real, this is really important on a micro-narrative way. And what I mean is, is because this is a part of the investiture, Shimi Haza is himself, was a, he was a guardian angel over 199 angels called the Grigori that were the guardians of man. And they ended up looking down on the, woman, the women and uh, were attracted to them. And then this is where you pick up Genesis 6. They came down to the daughters of men and then produced the giant or Nephilim and then later Raphim offspring that, uh, you know, Joshua's going to have to kill. Noah's floods about uh, and then uh, David's going to uh, begin finishing off with Goliath and his brothers. So when the Lord said Shimei last week, I left 
uh, and I, I, for like three hours last Sunday, I just sat before the Lord, and he opened my eyes, literally. Uh, Shemi Haza means, Shem means name. Haza means sees or has seen. So Shemi Haza means the name that sees or has seen. This was, this is, this investiture, this, this number five is incredible. So what it is, is it's the ability to see the phantom image or shadow inside of another person. But not just see it, that shadow or phantom image has to report to the Lord that's inside of you. And, um, you know, I literally had this happen because the Lord was going to demonstrate this to me so I could teach it. And I can't spend all the time. I could spend the next three hours just teaching you Shemi Haza, so I'm going to do it as fast as I can. But it, it's kind of like x-ray vision. So, you know, or some kind of infrared vision or some kind of vision. I don't know which. It, maybe it's a seven-part spectrum vision. But it's, it's a, it's a multi-aspect vision, but it's not just vision like I discern this in you. It's vision that, that the enemy or the shadow image in someone else has to uh, speak back to you and expose themselves. So the image, the shadow dimension or phantom image, let's say that it's a demon that's got into someone's cracked uh, self. Because they're broken. That demon has to say, hey, look, this is me. And they have to tell you who they are. Now, the Lord had this kind of vision, uh, Shemihaza type vision. He's the name that sees. In our investiture, he wants to give back his people the ability to not just discern, but to bring about an exposure of the shadow image dimension. Think about how amazing that is. So it's to bring out the phantom. And literally, I had it happen last night two or three times. I had people come up, and they're telling me, literally telling me what's going on with them. I mean, they're having to report to the Lord. And I said, man, this is happening more frequently. It's, remember, and I'll give you this, it's a biblical precedent for this. Remember when the Lord comes across to the Decapolis, and he comes up on a cave? And remember who was there? The demoniac, of the Gadarene demoniac, and he, Gadara, and he had been in control. He, he actually, there was a legion of demons in him that were in control of the 10 city-states. And the Lord's going to release uh, that Decapolis, which was a city-state. He's going to release that whole Decapolis from this principality-level demonic that's in the Gadarene demoniac. And that Gadarene demoniac has a report to the Lord. Yeah. What are you going to do with us? Right? He has to give a report because the Lord's in charge and he knows it. It's not like, let's jump up and down and cast out devils and all this. No, those guys have to report to the Lord inside you. The phantom has to say, hey, it's me. I'm not hiding. I can't hide. And give the name. And they name themselves. They'll say what they are. He says, I'm legion. Another one, we are many. Uh, what are you going to do with us? Because you know what? His, he has the shimmy haza eye. Yeah. 
His right, it's actually your right eye. The left eye, I think, has to do with Shakar, probably. The right eye has to do with Shemihaza. It's the name that sees and set, and the enemy has to expose themselves. No more hiding. Imagine the Lord anointing that. <laughs> it's coming. Every, I mean, what is it saying about every knee's going to bow that he's the Lord? Everybody is going to be seen. Nothing's going to be hidden. There'll be no more darkness because everything that doesn't, isn't right has to be exposed. And the Lord wants to reinvest his people with the name that seeds. Here, one of the big issues, if you don't know who you are or what your name is, uh, you actually can't see clearly because your identity is broken. But when your identity is in the heavens with the Father, it's not that you see with your own eye the phantom. His eye sees through your eye and exposes the phantom. And so the shadow has to come out. It has to be exposed, the cracked image inside of man, because now the eye, Shemihaza, sees by exposure. A few of the people that already talked to me is like, please help me. Please, I need help. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, not every situation. I, I haven't fully worked with every situation, but I already have meetings set up because, like, I, I mean, right off the bat, I'm dealing with this. I've got this problem. I mean, it's just like, just like that. I'm like, what? Hello? How you doing? <laughs> it's like, I've got this problem. Please help. Could you help me? You know, and so there's a, there's a desire and a longing to, to be loved, and they feel it, and, but... The person is different, and if the demon's in there, the demon has to say, I'm messing with this person, and, I, and that demon will talk. Yeah. I've already had it happen, and I, I was blown away by it. So what does this have to do with Psalms 110.5? Look at it, because this is verse 5 that has to do with Shemihaza. So it says, the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. So the Lord wants to take what has shattered man and he wants to shatter the phantom image. What I mean is shatter the phantom image that's in man and restore man back. If man will repent. If they fight against him, this is a dangerous thing. It could cost them their life. Because if they rebel against the Lord and they say no, then he can shatter them himself. Like those who are bent on just murder and killing and trying to destroy other people. And so, uh, but here's the thing. God executes, he does the judicial work here, the legislative work, and the executed work himself through you. It's not like you have to decide. You're not having to like, well, you know, I think, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, you should, um, you shouldn't have lied. And that was a bad thing you did. And uh, pat him on. the Lord's like, yeah, write 20 sentences for telling a little white lie. I didn't know in God's kingdom, until you read that in Acts, that God holds lying like that as a capital crime. That requires capital punishment. If that don't put the fear of God in you, 
Have the fear of God in you. Ask the Lord for the fear of the Lord. Because if a little white lie gets a capital punishment, or a capital, it's a considered a capital crime to the Lord to lie about actually giving money to the house of the Lord, go ahead and be shook in your boots. Because when the Lord releases this investiture in power, it's going to be like that. That's, it shook me up last week. I said, oh, he said, yeah, because I'm going to anoint this investiture. And when I anoint it, it's going to extend powers. I will not allow those kind of things in my house. I'm not going to allow it. And I said, oh, God, you know, anything. You, you want to have your, like, Lord, help me not to. Help me, Lord. Help me to. Thank you for the seal. You know, like, <laughs> help me, Lord. Help me. God, I need grace. I want to be in the fear of the Lord because I don't want to, like, say something out. And he's like, he's dead. <laughs> she does. And, you know, it, break, it brought, brought great fear to the house of the Lord. But then the gospel, like, advanced. He had a full-on thing out after Ananias and Sapphira. The Holy Spirit was moving in the church because people, you know they were on their cell phones calling their friends, you know. No, they weren't. But still, you know, did you hear what happened to them? They were like dead in the meeting. No, really? Oh, I'm going home and I'm repent like a Jew. They just said one lie to Peter. And the Lord ain't putting up with it. Lord's done with it. You know, this is part of this investiture, right? So the, the phantom image, and so I, I wrote up this little thesis. Investiture 5 has to do with the right eye that sees and exposes to cast out or strike by the right, right hand the phantom shadow image king and receive the spoil of war by the dominion mandate, not by red-based domination or left-based denomination. <laughs> That's my little thesis. Uh, this is going to create some issues. They hate us all. Yeah, they don't like. They don't, yeah, they don't like that. But they have to go. They have to go, because uh, God Himself is in command. He's in authority. Um, and in the case of Shemihaza, uh, he's. I believe he's in Tartarus right now. Uh, Tataras, uh, uh, to say that right, Tataras. He's down in a holding place for what him and his 199 buddies did uh, because they made a pact to come down to the daughters of, of men and, uh, you know, be with them and to have the giants. And so they were cast into Tataras. Uh, but there's a, re a restoration in the sense of what God had for man that we would have a, an eye that could see through and expose the enemy. So we're not sort of like, oh, something's off, you know, about that. No, this is more than that. It's not something's off about that. It's like, my name is Legion. <laughs> it's like, uh, what are you going to do with us? It's more like that. That's Shemi Haza, the eye that sees. That was last week. Today. And I just got this today because I didn't know. I never know. And um, I'll, by the way, too, I have notes on all this. Today... Uh, Fresh out of the worship. Present tense. Hot off the press. The word satar. It is S-A-T-H-A-R. This is the sixth investment. Uh, we got in here and you heard me say this. The Lord said, um, where are you at? I said, you mean the shelter of the Most High? Right. Where are you? I was like, I'm right here, Lord. 
right here in the shelter of the Most High. And if I'm not, I better get there. You know, it's like, <laughs> that was the, that's what I really heard it saying. What are you doing? What, are you playing around with me? Get in there. And so I was like, oh, I'm, yeah, you know. And he brings this down, and um, it's really funny because I got this Lexus thing that I've got to have a, don't ignore this urgent safety recall. Lexus actually means defender. Uh, that's what the word means. And it's, it's funny because that's what this word actually has the connotation of it. Um, what book? This one? Oh, the name of the publishing company. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I got this. Um, it's called The Second Coming of Saturn by Derek P. Gilbert. And uh, guess what he talks about? Uh, uh, Henry Todd sent this to me, or Shimmy Haza. Anyways, <laughs> this just came out this, this last year. Uh, called The Second Coming of Saturn. So, Sitar, I'm going to wrap this up. Sitar, this is so cool. It's basically like becoming invisible. So, the next investiture is like invisibility. It's, it's complete concealment. And in that concealment, the release of the word, the double-edged sword. So, I'm, right now, I'm calling it Sitar Sword. The double-edged sword that comes out of the mouth in full concealment. Um, that's what happened to David. That's why David was able to go take uh, Goliath in the way he was. was he was When he threw off the investiture of Saul, his armor, he basically was receiving the investment of Sitar. He has you know five smooth stones and a sling, but it literally means to be completely concealed. So in one instance, your enemy's exposed, and in the next instance, they can't see you. <laughs> it's like, you know, like hide and seek. <laughs> it's just like, there what, there what, where'd it go, where'd it go? Can't do anything to, it's, he can't do anything. Now, and when you're looking at this, and the, the V, if you'll notice that two goes with six, and three goes with five. So in this chiastic pattern of Psalms 110, two goes with six. Notice, notice what goes with Sitar. A seal. So there's this sealing of authentication that goes with Sitar, which is this concealment with a seal. And so in the seal, there's a concealment um, across in this. And so you, you can be literally concealed. Uh, I don't know if I should say that, but so basically the enemy could come and threaten you. Because he's exposed, he can make whatever threat, and in the concealment, he can't do anything to you. It's just, and I've heard about this with preachers down like in South America being shot at, bullets coming at them, and flying, don't even touch them. Because they're under sitar. They're in the secret place of the Most High. They're under the shelter of God. They're, they have the shield of God. And so in the middle of this sitar is the release of a double-edged sword. And, and notice what Psalms 110.6 says. So because that's the, ver the corresponding verse with this. Um, it says, He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. And so uh, 
it's like, and I, I was like, oh, no wonder we're at Hidden Bluff. You know, we're under a concealment. We're, we're hidden. And so you're hidden in Christ and in God with this concealment, uh, Shatar. Um, I'll give you some verses. Uh, what did I do with that? And you can take these down. And then, and then I w- you know, today, if you want to, go home, and then we'll finish up here. Um, you, you go home, and you can, you can read these. Um, these are the verses I got out of this. Uh, Psalms 5, 11, and 12. Uh, Psalms 31, 17 through 20. Psalms 34, 21 through 22. Yeah, Psalms 34, 21 through 22. And then I read this in the worship today, but Job 34, 21 through 26. Thank you for everybody's patience today. I, I really appreciate this. This needed to come out, and I appreciate you listening because it's, it's going in the recording, and we it, it needs to be, you know, spelled out and delineated. And, again, thank you for your time, you know, being patient with that material. That's a lot of material. If you would like notes, um, I have all these are noted, and I have extensive white papers on this material. Uh, I've tracked everything with the Lord, and so... There's notes that you can uh, get that I have that are electronic copies uh, that'll make this accessible to you as well. With that being said, next week we will finish, uh, which will be X2M81. That will finish the seven-part investiture. And then after that, we will launch into the next phase of this ministry, X2M82, the following week. X2M82 will be our last week here at this house. April the 17th, and then we, we do not know where we're going yet uh, next. April 17th, right, and then we have next week's X2M81, which will finish, and then one week after that, two weeks left, two weeks left here, and then we're asking the Lord, just pray, you know, Lord, where, where are we headed next? Uh, but the purpose here was really to, in this confirmation period, to receive the seven-part investiture um, and then get ready for the next phase of this ministry. Uh, again, X2M82, which will be Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, and we'll begin the series on anointing uh, because that's where this goes after, uh, after the investiture is complete. Yeah, it does. I know, and that, you know, again, that's not, you can't, well, you can't make this stuff up, right? I mean, we don't, because we're literally being led by the Spirit of God. But yes, the anointing part of the reverse coronation just, it fits exactly into um, X2M82. And so what you're looking at when you looked at the V, you're looking at the fine dwelling place. That's a picture of when God wanted to reinvest man and woman back with what was lost. Uh, that's it. And then that he could extend uh, his power onto it so that what comes out of it is those seven attributes. Um, 
to be invested upon is to receive. It's not something we could do or make happen, right? It's just something by His grace that He gives. And that we just receive from Him. But you can see that it's a very beautiful thing that Jesus has paid for. And so much more that the blood, that what He did when He was on that cross, what it was in His mind and understanding. That He said, you know what, I'm going to give all my people back what has been lost to them. And I'll find a people on the earth one day and I'll find a people, they'll, they'll say yes to me all the way. And because they do, because I won't impose myself on them, I'm going to give them back everything that was lost. I'm going to give them my whole self. And I have so much riches and so many things to give. I just want them just to come and be with me. And because God wanted a big family to govern with Him, the Father, our Father. And Jesus, He did this for us. It don't even seem right that He has to wait to be to come into His enthronement when if you've experienced that before, having to wait on someone else to come along so that you can get down the road. Now, he's waited. Right beside his father for 2,000 years, just waiting on a people. Can you imagine? Oh, Lord, I'm interceding. Another generation goes by. Another generation goes by. Another generation goes by. They don't want what I have to offer them. Another generation. I want to give them all, Father. Just let, them, let me just go down there and show them who I am. No. No, I want them to want you. I want them to want you in everything you are. I don't want them to hold anything back. I want them to come for you for everything. And when they look like you look, I'm going to take my hand off of you. I'm going to let the retainer, the legal retainer come off of you. I'm going to let you pop the eastern sky. You're going to be able to come down and meet your family. The family that you purchased. My family. And so whatever it takes, ladies and gentlemen, whatever yes it takes in our spirit, it's not like it's a bad deal. He's given us everything. He's, he's I, I want to give you everything. And it is a process. I mean, I would just want to get right to the end of this. He's like, no, we, we got to go through. There's a process, son. It, you know, I'm going to have to take some time with this. Um, hey, I've waited 2,000 years. I think we can wait a few more months or years. You know, I've, I've waited for a long time. I got you guys. You're with me. You're tracking with me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and I feel like Jesus is really excited. Someone, some people are going to get on board with the third temple. Uh, there, it's a culmination and a consummation at the end of the age. And they're going to go beyond the barriers and break another barrier and break another barrier. And I believe he found us. Now we begin to know him as how good he is. He said, well, I'm going to have to like allow this trouble into their life and that trouble into their life. So because I can't just give them this, they have, there's going to be an objection. There has to be a lot of objections. And, um, and I got to answer all their objections by taking some things and things like that because they put their hope in the wrong things. And then when I do that to them, they're going to want to turn away from me. This is going to be really tough to do. No, there's going to be a people. 
no matter how many objections are presented and how many hardships, they're going to keep coming after you, son. They're going to come all the way. And he found us. He found us. And we are finding him. Well, they'll have, a, they'll have a struggle because it'll be really small. Yeah, but they'll read Zechariah. And they'll say, I'm not despising the day of small things. Yeah, but so many of them, they're, they're going to deal with some physical ailments. Yeah, but they'll read Isaiah 53. going to have they're going to have financial difficulties they'll read Malachi 3 they'll read Genesis 28 they'll they'll or they'll be read they'll read Corinthians 9 <laughs> and they'll believe and they'll just be like you know what I'm all in for the word I'm all in for the word that is made flesh and dwells among us they'll say I'm all in they'll say it they're, they're going to say it yeah but people are going to hate them and kill them they won't love their lives even to the death but, I'm, but the enemy's going to be down there tempting them with every kind of awful sin that you can imagine some of them are going to fall yeah, but they're going to get up and get up and get up again. They're going to rise and rise again. They're going to say he's great in mercy and faithfulness, and they're just going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And they're going to believe. And in that way, they're going to read Peter, and they're going to say, I'm taking on the divine nature. Every time I lose my life, I'm going to find it. And I'm going for him again. And I'm getting up again. I'm getting right back into my papa's lap. Some of them are going to be born without parents. They don't have anybody to take care of them. Some of them will be the dredge of the earth. Yeah, but watch them. Have you considered my servant Job? So when he was there, like at his supper, last supper, I bet you all these thoughts are going through his head. He said, I got a path for you. He said, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said, when they go through brokenness, they're going to need... They're going to need to be revitalized. And I'm going to revitalize them. They said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today. And thank you.
I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope And a dress and veil as snow And he said he'd come for me He'd know when I'm ready my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready. I must get